Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Pastor Beth just did a great teaching on faith. The early church operated in a lot of faith. Then it seemed like for some centuries it wasn't that big of a deal, and then it came back on the scene as a very, very big deal um, in this last 52, 60 years. And um, faith is extremely important because it is the way the kingdom operates. And if our faith is not built on the word of God, um, you, can, you can find yourself putting the faith in the wrong thing. And putting faith in the wrong thing, just, just in the, let me put it this way, just having faith doesn't mean that you're going to have results. Your faith has to be in the right thing. Your faith has to be in the right promises. And they have to be, in, and those promises have to be in the right context. And I'm not saying this to try to make it difficult. What I'm saying this for is that <clears throat> you can never study the topic of faith too much. You can, never, you can never study the topic of faith too much because we live in a world that is contrary to us. I don't know if you realize that or not. Anybody realize? Did anybody realize how complicated life is? Or anybody, anybody here just floating by like, ah. Life is complicated, am I right? And so we talked about this last week when I introduced this teaching. God in his mercy gave us the, I don't know if I want to call it a weapon. I don't, know if, I don't really think I want to call it a weapon. I think I want to call it the equipment of faith so that you and I, can overcome a world system that is contrary to us. And world systems not just contrary to Christians. One should understand that, right? We realize that life is tough for everybody. You know, we all know people that have, have done nothing about God and everything, stuff like this. They're not exempt. They still have a tough life. You, you realize that? Okay, so, so faith is important for us specifically for this reason. Do we not have compassion for those who don't know Christ yet? We should anyway, right? Now, that compassion can manifest in this way. How about we pray and use our faith for those who don't have it yet? Because, you know, and I'm getting off a little bit here, but we'll come back on track. Do you realize that you can use your faith to get results for somebody who doesn't have any, right? We see that all throughout the scriptures. People use their faith on behalf. Jesus used his faith on behalf. You realize that every person that Jesus ministered to, not one of them was born again. They couldn't be because Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. So look, think about this. Every person that ever got healed, every person that ever received provision, every individual that was raised from the dead, none of them were born again. But now, now think of it this way now. Now watch it this way. Now think about this. Every one of the disciples, every one of the apostles that healed, raised the dead, worked miracles, when Jesus was, before Jesus went to the cross, none of them were born again. What's our excuse? We, we're in it. We got it. Amen? So I want to continue tonight. I want to talk a little bit more about faith. I want us to start building our faith more and more because we, we need faith to operate on this earth. We need faith to operate for ourselves, but, but it shouldn't be a selfish thing. And, and that's one of the unfortunate side effects of the emphasis of faith over the, over the years. Some people took the faith message 
and made it a selfish thing, a self-centered thing. So I'm gonna use my faith to get what I need, and I'm gonna use my faith so that I can get a bigger house and, and more houses and more cars, and, and along with that came more mortgage payments and more car payments and more insurance payments, so we had to use more faith for that. And, and honestly, we don't see that in the early church. Like Pastor Beth said, in the early church, people used their faith because they wanted to meet the needs of individuals that did not have. Okay? Now, now let's, let's balance it out a little bit here because we don't want to get into a, into a, a, a false humility or, or a, a poverty mentality either. God doesn't have a problem with you getting your needs met. God doesn't have a problem with you having a decent place to live. God doesn't have a problem with you driving a decent car that's not breaking down every 50 feet. You know what I'm saying? God doesn't have a problem with that. What is a problem is when we use our faith strictly to meet our own needs and we're not making any provision, we're not giving any part of it to make sure that somebody else has an easier life. And it's even more than that. It's even more than that. Let's just be honest with each other. It's, it's easy for us to give, uh, let's say... Um, and I hope this never happens to anybody here, but let's say somebody's house burns down and they lost all their possessions. Well, people come out of the woodwork to get money, right? But if we were to say, hey, listen, there's a family down the street, if we had this foreknowledge, there's this family down the street that um, every one of them are going to die within the next 24 hours. How about, how about if we get together? How about if we buy a bunch of Bibles? How about if we get some materials? How about if we go down there and minister to them so that they don't perish and go to hell. Well, uh, I don't know how much we'd raise. I don't know how many people would get involved. Why? Because we as human beings are pulled by natural needs more than we're pulled by spiritual needs. And honestly, it should be the other way around. Because you're dead a long time. I don't know if you realize that. So we should do everything possible we should be looking for, when I say should, don't take it as like this. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to me too. Our life should be, if we've really been impacted by Christ, our life should be as uncluttered as possible so that we can be sensitive to the needs of others. Because, you know, it's almost always on the tail end of meeting somebody's need that their heart opens up and now they're willing to hear the gospel. They're willing to hear the message of God's love, of God's forgiveness. Because you see, meeting an individual's needs builds a bridge and builds a relationship that allows you to be able to speak into their lives, that allows you to bring that message without some wall coming up. And, and again, when an individual has a lot of needs, um, how are they possibly going to listen to you when they're so worried and concerned about the things that are going on in their life? Does that make sense? So last week, we started out with that message from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Think about that. Think about that. I've heard this scripture so many times that I have to fight the temptation to go, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. I was born again in a church that placed extreme emphasis on faith. I'm glad I did. They were very serious individuals. They were very passionate about the word of God. They were very passionate about reaching people. We were very, very devoted to the activity of the Holy Spirit. And every one of us wanted the Holy Spirit to use us. I'm glad I got born again in a church like that. Because truthfully, with my personality, I wouldn't have made it. If I was in a wishy-washy church, I would have never made it. I would have never made it. I would have turned away. I would have walked away from God. Now, let's look at this real, real quick here. Because, again... Uh, I was sharing with Pastor Beth before the service tonight. It's like the Holy Spirit convicted me today. 
and reminded me that we don't talk enough about faith. And the reason why that's important about talking about faith is because every one of us are going through challenges. Did anybody go through anything in the last 24 hours? Let me see. Are the rest of you awake? Or? I went through a hellish night last night. Hellish. I'm not bragging about it. I was like most of the night going, God, what the heck is going on? Because my mind is all over the place here. I feel like my heart's pounded out of my chest. Like, what, what is happening here? What's going on? Is this about me? Is this about somebody else? And so I literally, this is going to sound weird, I had to go to, to sleep by faith. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I had to go to sleep by faith. I had to, go to, I had to say, Lord, I'm going to close my eyes by faith. You said in your word that you promised your beloved sweet sleep. I take a hold of that promise. I'm shutting my eyes. And it still took about an hour. We need faith. And the faith that we have was enough for yesterday, but it's probably not going to be enough for tomorrow. Because, you know, the Bible tells us that we as believers go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. The enemy wants us to go from tragedy to tragedy, from disaster to disaster. That's his plan. Okay, so now let's look at this. Now faith, what is faith? It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, okay? When, when the Lord spoke to me in 1994 and began to put a, a tug in my heart, began to like just put a hook in me and start pulling me in a direction, and that direction was going to be getting out of, getting out of the business world and, and coming into the ministry, okay? He began to show me things here. They didn't exist out here yet. But they began to show me things here. So I had faith that something was coming. I, in 94, I wasn't 100% sure. Towards the end of 94, going into the early part of 95, the picture began to get clearer. But what it was was, see, my faith to be able to believe God. When I say my faith, I, I don't mean that in a braggardly way. Is, is that a word, braggardly? For tonight it is, Okay. Someday, somebody's going to write a book on Pastor Joe-isms. I don't mean it in a... Thank you. That's too fancy of a word, braggadocious. I I don't mean it that way. What I'm saying is, you have your faith. You're you're responsible for building your faith. I'm responsible for building my faith. Now, there's times and times of weakness that you'll be able to carry me with your faith, and I'll be able to carry you. But for the most part, it's got to be my faith. It's got to be your faith. You have responsibility to build it up. Now, faith is a substance. It's substance. It, it, it's real. It, it has, uh, uh, has what? I thought somebody said something. It has substance. In other words, there's material value to this faith. Okay? It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay? There's evidence to it. It's evidence. You know that you have faith if you, if you are seeing things on the inside. It doesn't mean anything that they're not out here yet because if they don't exist in here, you'll never see them out here. Are you listening to me? I tell this story all the time. I don't think I've told it recently. My, my oldest son, Joe, and his wife, Trina, uh, really wanted to have a baby. This is a couple of years after they got married. Really wanted to have a baby. I remember teaching a message like this on faith. It was on a Sunday. They were here. You were here. And, and they left here. They, they told us this later. They left here, and they went down to Babies R Us, right down the road. If you want to go straight down the cross street from the mall, and went and bought a, a baby boy outfit and a baby girl outfit. And they hung it in their bedroom. And every morning, my daughter would get up and say, Father, I thank you for that baby that's coming. 
I'm thanking for that baby that's coming. Well, I tell you, they did a good job because they got four of them in the house now. <laughs> but watch this now. Watch this now because you've got to learn this. You've got to learn this. this. We're not talking uh, New Age spiritualism. We're not talking crazy stuff like We are not talking that kind of stuff. We're not talking any type of occult activity. We are talking the principles of faith. You know, I think of it this way. And I don't know. Maybe if it's not correct, God will tell me when we get to heaven. It's like every time the scriptures in the Old Testament were talking about the Messiah, it was almost like they were speaking Jesus, speaking Jesus, speaking Jesus, and all of a sudden one day in Bethlehem, Jesus showed up. Okay? Now, for, for, for all those thousands of years, the, the, the Jews kept talking about the Messiah, kept waiting for the Messiah, kept expecting the Messiah, kept expecting this. Even during Passover, they would expect Elijah because Elijah is supposed to come before the Messiah. And so as an act of faith, even when they're having a Passover meal, they would leave an empty chair. Why? In case Elijah shows up. Act of faith. Might seem like a stupid tradition to you, but it's act of faith. Are you listening? Okay. I remember back in 1990, let me see, I got saved in 84, Oh, this was like 88, 89. We wanted a new house. We were going to build a new house. So what did we do? I went and got a picture. There was only one problem. That house wasn't the house we were supposed to have. And I realized it after a while because they say I wanted to live by the beach. I wanted to be by the water. So then I started developing a different picture on the inside. So I had to shift that because, you know, the Bible tells us that whatever we pray according to God's will, he hears us. And I believe in my heart, his will for those years and those early years when my children were small was for us to live by the beach. It was going to be a fulfillment of a dream. Okay, that's a whole other story. I'll talk about that another time. I don't want to hijack this message and go in that direction. But you have to develop a picture on the inside. Are you, are you getting this? Faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen, okay? I've told this other story to you. Now, I'm just trying to give you practical action steps. Why? Because most of you in this room, I venture to say to all of us in this room, you have faith to some extent. Every one of us. You got in your car tonight and you drove here. You had faith that that car was going to get you here. You had faith that the door was going to be open. You had faith that you were going to come in. You had faith that there was going to be worship here tonight. You had faith that there was going to be a seat for you to sit in. You had faith that when you sat in that seat, it wasn't going to collapse. It was going to hold you. We don't even realize sometimes, because someone's going to have no faith. No, you have faith. Now start building it. Now start building it. So now let's go back to 1995. We leave here, sell everything we have, go to Oklahoma to go to Bible school. Now, I knew already, New Beginnings Christian Church at that time was New Beginnings Christian Fellowship. I knew in my heart, in my spirit, New Beginnings Christian Church was a reality. It was a reality. Now, if you would have drove back here to Bricktown, you could have drove all over Bricktown. You wouldn't have found it yet. But it, was, it existed here. So, we would go to church out there at Bible school. And I would get an offering envelope, and I would take a portion of my money, obviously paid the tithe to the church, tithe went to the church, because that's where we're being fed, okay? But then I would take a portion of money, and I would fill it a separate envelope, and on the envelope I would put, where it said, you know, fill in your name, New Beginnings Christian Fellowship, Brick, New Jersey. 
two years before the church started. But, but what, what, what was I doing? Acting by? Why? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And if it was up to me, I would put yet on the end of it. Now, I don't think this ever happened because we never got a phone call, but if the church out there, their accounting department, would have went and looked up New Beginnings Christian Church in Brick, New Jersey, they would have went, it doesn't exist. No, it doesn't exist out here, but it existed here. Now, if what you're believing God for, and, and let me just, can I backtrack here? There's not enough people believing God anymore for anything. Too many of us have gotten beat up in life and we've stopped believing God for anything. Well, what if it doesn't work? And what if it does? <laughs> and what if it does? Well, what, what, you know, just, you know, I prayed yesterday and it didn't happen yet. <laughs> Honey, Abraham waited 25 years for his son to show up. Yes. Do you think those people were less, like, anxious back then than we are? Start believing God. Start stirring yourself up. God is, there's a scripture that says that, that, that the eyes of the Lord roam all over the earth seeking someone that he can, if I'm paraphrasing this, that he can bless that he can show himself mighty to. God's looking. God's listening. What are you, are you giving him anything? Are you, are you, are you just trying to live safe? I just live safe. I just, you know, I just got enough to get by. That's all I want. But that's not really respecting God. And that's not really honoring God. God is a very big God. God, he, he's created the entire universe with his words. You think he can't make something for you? You think he can't create something for you? You think he can't bring that, that companion into your life? You think he can't bring you to that place of promotion or to that place of, 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 of blessing you and depositing you a gifting and an ability to perform a certain profession or vocation or some type of a job that's not only going to bring you contentment and fulfillment, but it's also going to bring glory to him? Start believing God for something. Turn to somebody and say, dear God, start believing God for something. Can I share something with you that might shake some of you up? Who wants to get shook up tonight? When our accounting department counts all the offerings from the weekend, I walk in and go, did that $100,000 check come in yet? (laughs) And what does my wife say? Not yet, but it's coming. Can I shake some of you up even more? Can I make some of you get mad? I started at 20000 years ago. That $20,000 check come in? Guess what? Multiple times. Then I jacked it up. <laughs> Did that $50,000 check come in? Listen to me. I wish some of my board members were here. There was a prayer meeting we had at my house. Oh my gosh, I'm living over here 10 years, 11 years, 14, 15 years ago. You were there. We were sitting at my dining room table. Well, I should say my, our dining room table, the house that we lived in there. And we're, we're praying, we're praying. We're, we're interceding on behalf of the church. We're praying. And out of my mouth, without even thinking, comes, there's a $50,000 check coming in. And it's going to come in soon. It came in. I was told later that the person who was given the $50,000 check that was sitting at the table almost fell off the chair. 
because it was only a few days later that they actually brought the check, $50,000. And, and that, that, that bothered some of you. That bothered some of you. And it should. Now I'm waiting for a $100,000 check to come. Why? Because we got big things to do. Wow, what does he need a $100,000 check for? To reach people like you. It's coming. Would you say that with me? Those of you that actually really out of a pure heart can believe that. Could you say that with me? It's coming. Why? Because we're not done here. We just started. Pastor, didn't we just celebrate the 20th anniversary? We're just starting. We're just finding out how to do this the right way. We're just finding out how to really believe God for big stuff. What do you believe in God for? Now, now listen now, okay? Now, if you never believed God for 10 bucks, don't try to believe him for 100,000. Because you'll get yourself frustrated. But if you've successfully believed him for 100, then don't dare go back to $50. Are you listening to me? And, and, and don't measure your God by your circumstances. Too many people want to measure God by their circumstances. Well, you know, maybe if it was a couple of years ago. <laughs> it's still a couple of years ago to God, and it's still 10 years ahead of now to him also. All right, to live by faith means to believe God's word and act like it's true. Act like it's true. Can, can I just talk about something else here? Because you see, you can't talk about faith unless you talk about authority. Do you realize that you're God's representative on the earth? Yes. I, we, we, yes. Well, well, if we're God's representatives on the earth, why is there stuff happening that's contrary to God's will? Obviously, somebody's not opening their mouth and using their authority. I guarantee you when we get to heaven, we're going to find out today that God, the Holy Ghost, was speaking to somebody in Parkland, Florida, and telling them to go and pray, and telling them, shut the television off, shut your phone off, get off of Facebook, and go pray. And they didn't. Now, I don't know who the person is, but I, I, I know what kind of guilt that is, because I remember, I remember, when was it? 9-11. You guys heard me tell this story. Driving up the turnpike, getting off the exit up there at 13 to go to the airport to pick my son up. Coming back from Tulsa, coming back from a training uh, uh, seminar. And as we got off the turnpike, I looked at the skyline and I heard on the inside as if somebody was sitting in the back seat. Very shortly, there's going to be a terrorist attack here and this skyline will never again look the same. And I blew it off. Why? Because I figured, okay, maybe it's going to happen in the future. That was Sunday, Tuesday morning. Do you know what I felt like? Because they didn't pray. We have to use our authority. There's no sense you saying you have faith in God if you're not going to use your authority. Do you know why most Christians don't see results? Can I tell you why? Because many times we're praying when we're supposed to be commanding. Did you catch that? There is a big difference between praying and commanding. If God gave us the authority that he had on this earth, and he has, before Jesus left, one of the last things he ever said was, all authorities be given unto me. Go therefore, and do what? Make disciples of all nations. Disciples, not believers, disciples, okay? 
He gave us authority. Six months after we started the church, when we first started the church 20 years ago, we had this little broken down van that we would use to transport everything to the school that we would set up for church. We didn't even have room for us. It just shoved everything. And at that time, we had to bring everything to church, folding chairs, pulpit, sound equipment. It was another, another family, uh, wonderful people. Uh, their husband would come at 7 o'clock in the morning and, and load up stuff from the garage so that we could come to the school here, um, down on Chambersbridge Road there, and set up. Actually, it was Drum Point Road then at the, at the elementary school. Set up everything, everything. That got old quick, quick, okay? First six months, that got old. So now we're going from the Drum Point Road School. What am I doing tonight? Do you, you realize what I'm doing tonight? See, you're going to remember these stories. You hear when I started saying a bunch of people said 2011, okay? Why? Because we remember stories. Jesus told parables. He told stories. We remember stories. And I'm telling you these. I'm not bragging on me. I'm telling you, this is how you practically work these things out. We needed a van. We needed a big van. Why? We can't keep doing this every Sunday. And the church kept growing. So we drive down Canyonland Road. Some of you know where I'm going because you heard me tell the story right. And in front of a church there in Canyonland Road, there's a van with a for sale sign on it. We drop our kids off for school there, Calvary, Calvary Academy. And I said to my wife, look at that van, man. That's the van that we need. We need a van just like that. It was like a 12 or 15 passenger, something like that. I figured, man, we'd tear all the seats out. We can put all the equipment in there. We don't have to be packing it every Sunday morning, loading it back in there, all this other stuff. At least we don't have to worry about taking two, three vehicles. I said, we need that van. We don't have no money. Don't matter. We need the van. So we sat in the parking lot, and I swear to you as I'm standing here, if my wife was here, she would attest to it. Those of you who told me the story, heard me tell the story. We sat there, I pointed to that van, and I said, in the name of Jesus, nobody buys you until we have the money to buy you. <laughs> six months later, another six months goes by. We finally had enough money. We go to buy the thing, and the person says, you know, I can't understand it. He said, we're on a major road here, and not one person ever stopped to inquire about this family. I said to him, brother, I'm I'm sorry. I got to confess to you. We have authority. We We have authority. So you've got to understand that faith is real to you. Faith is natural to you. You've got to say to yourself, this is natural for me to believe like this. It's very natural, very natural. I have, listen to me, I have no, and in fact, did I tell you the rest of the story about the 50,000? Three of them came in over the years. Three separate checks. Three of them. I have no doubt whatsoever, absolutely no doubt that one of these days, that check or that cash is going to show up. It would be fun if it was cash, you know, because it would be like, <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Come on, say it. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And you want to know what's awesome? God's going to bless somebody in this church. It's not going to come from the outside. It's going to come from here. Why is that? Why is that? Because in order for somebody to give 100 grand, they got to have some mad stacks. And why should somebody outside the church get blessed like that? You listening to me? That ain't nothing to God. 
The Bible says he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. All the silver, all the gold is his. Ain't nothing to him. It's nothing to him to raise up somebody. Can I tell you something else that you can get mad at me about? When those big lotteries come out, 300 million, 400 million, I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to win. Give it to one of the tithers in the church. I don't want it myself because it would cause too much controversy. And I don't want all them relatives coming to my house. You hear what I'm saying? I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, somebody's got to win. Some human being in this planet has got to win. Let it be somebody from New Beginnings, but let it be a tither. I'll tell you, I'll be at your house the next morning. (laughs) Pen in hand. Write out that check right now, because I've been praying for you for years. Start building. Imagine how many churches we can build. Oh, my Lord Jesus. Do you know how many churches we can plant all over the place with a $30 million tithe? Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Bro, how many homeless people could we, could we, could we house? How many homeless people? I go, I go to the... What, what are we doing? We're dreaming. Are you listening to me? We're dreaming. I would go to the industrial park and find one of the biggest empty buildings over there and say, I want to buy this and we're going to convert this into dormitories. And we're going to make apartments so that whole families can live here until they get on their feet. And we're going to put a nice cafeteria downstairs that's going to serve good food, not slop, not corned beef hash out of the can, look like dog food, good stuff. And then we're going to send them for trading so they can get good jobs. Not just, not just, you know, whatever. I don't want to say anything because in case anybody does that, they get the feelings hurt. <laughs> what are we doing? What's faith? The substance of things hoped for. What are we doing? We're hoping right now. Now watch. Now watch. Don't stay in hope. Hope must convert to faith. But we start out where? Hope. Man, this is good. I can't wait to listen to this. <laughs> Are you listening? Now watch. You've got to get a big picture on the inside. I'm going to paraphrase this instead of going up there and going my notes. Numbers, you know the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. There's an, in the Old Testament, there's a book called Numbers, okay? In that book, there's a chapter 13, and it's a very unique chapter. It's an awesome story. It's sad, but it's tremendous lessons that we learn. Finally, after all these years, the Israelites are getting to the, to the border of the promised land. And God, now watch this now. They've been traveling for a long time. You know when you've gone a long time without getting what you've been believing for, you can get weary sometimes? Anybody know what I'm talking about? So God gives instructions to Moses. So I want you to take one leader from each one of the tribes. How many were there? One leader from each one. And he said, and send them into that land and see if it's not exactly like I told you it was. A land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, a land that's productive. He said, and make sure you check out the fruit when you get there. And so they get them together and, and he sends them out there. 
and they go scout out the land, and it's so productive and so lush and so rich that the Bible tells us that the clusters of grapes were so big that guys, they had to have two guys carry them on a pole. That's, imagine going to Stop and Shop. You need two shopping carts just to get a bunch of grapes. That's how, that's how rich the land was. But all of a sudden, they spotted the giants. And when they came back, they gave that report. They said, yeah, yeah, the land is as good as you said it is, man. It's beautiful, rich, soil's black. It's just so productive. But there's giants there. Now, let me ask you this question. Did you think that God was surprised when he told them that the giants were there? Don't you think God knew the giants were there? You think they were hiding? You think, even if they were hiding, don't you think God knew? The, God knew the giants were there. But he said to them, every place that you put your feet, I had given to you. They backed off. Two of them said, we can do this. Let's go take them. We'll take them. The other 10 said, no, we're not able. We're not able. In fact, in fact, they went so far, their doubt and their fear and their just, the intimidation that they experienced was so great that instead of getting a picture of them being, themselves being warriors, they formed a picture in their mind and said we were like grasshoppers in their sight and so we were in theirs. Now, what was this all about? God had an expectation. Moses that spoke out the instructions had an expectation that the size of the grapes and the richness of the land and the beauty of the land and the productivity of the land was enough to give them a picture that would have taken them from, instead of being a grasshopper, from being a warrior. But they failed to shape that picture on the inside. What happened? They failed to allow faith to become a substance of thing hoped for, the evidence of thing not seen, and they used the principle in the opposite. And instead of becoming warriors, they became grasshoppers. Tragedy, tragedy. And it says, and they wailed and they cried all night long when they came back. All of them had to die. Only two out of that original group got to go in that promised land 40 years later. Only two. They cried and they wailed and they complained and they said, well, we should, would have been better off for us to die in Egypt than to have to come out here and die at the hands of these giants. Again, I'm paraphrasing. God shows you a dream because he has an expectation that that dream is going to be big enough to carry you against every obstacle and every adversity that comes in your life. You and I do not have the right to give up. You and I don't have the luxury to give up. When he shows us, let me tell you something, I got a dream. And it's a big dream. And I'm not giving up on it. I'm going to tell you about it pretty soon. Not ready yet. But I got a dream. And it's a big dream. And I believe God is showing me these pictures and showing me things and showing me why. Because there's going to be some obstacles and there's going to be some adversity. But that picture is bigger on the inside than any adversity that can come. You listening to me? Because it's a big picture that's made up of souls souls, lost, unsaved, the sick, the diseased, the insane, the bound, seeing them come in and come in by the droves and just coming in and, come, and not just here, 
and not just here. I'm telling you, we're going to see it. We're going to see it. God showed me a picture in 1994 of this tidal wave coming out of the Atlantic Ocean and crashing into New Jersey and going across. I knew it was a natural one. It was a spiritual tidal wave. And that wave is coming. In fact, it's probably already started. And it's got to come here. And it's got to go from here and sweep right across. And sweep up everybody that's willing. And everyone that will believe. Are you listening to me? Say it's coming. It's coming. Say, say this. Now, now listen, listen. Before you say anything, shut your eyes. Come on, I know it's uncomfortable, but do it. It's an act of faith. Close your eyes. W- what are you dreaming about? What dream has he placed on the inside? What picture has he shown you? What fantastic thing did he show you years ago that, that you gave up on? Stir that thing back up again. Dream big. Dream big. The bigger it is, the more likely it's God. You listen to me? Now open your eyes. And just say this to me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I consecrate, I dedicate my life to you. That my dream that you've placed in my heart would be fulfilled. In the name of Jesus, I call it in. In the name of Jesus, it's coming. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to speak just like David did. David said, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I don't have to wait till I die. I don't have to wait till I get to heaven. I'm going to see it here in this life. I'm going to touch it. I'm going to experience it. I'm going to walk in it. It's real. It's real. In Jesus' name, it's coming. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.